And I said, so where, where is it actually being shot? And he went, uh, Richmond. And I went, what? Richmond in Surrey? 20 minutes from my house, that Richmond. And then I was like, the bit was between my teeth and I was like, I am having this part. <laughs> Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Awardist Podcast, where Entertainment Weekly staff are breaking down this year's Emmys race. And, and now that the nominations have happened, we have a lot to talk about. And by we, I mean me. I'm senior TV editor Jared Hall, and I am joined by EW critic Kristen Baldwin. How are you, Kristen? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I, um, you know, had a really fun time uh, in recent days at the uh, Ted Lasso premiere here in Los oh, Angeles. Fun! It was really strange going to a live event, but if I was going to go to one, I felt like this was the one to go to. Absolutely. And the the premiere, yeah, the premiere was all outside. It was on the rooftop of a parking garage at the Pacific Design Center. So you had all these like really cool, colorful architectural buildings around, and you had all these stars, and, and there were. Uh, you know, quite a few stars there. People I didn't even realize was there. Kesha was there. Apparently, sure. she's a huge fan. Yeah. And of course, Jason Sudeikis, Hannah Waddingham, uh, Brett Goldstein, Brendan Hunt, um, Juno Temple, uh, oh. just so many. Yeah, so many people. Hannah Waddingham, of course, was just absolutely stunning. I mean, she is a goddess. She really is. And she's just so cool and chill and funny and talented. And uh, she's just she's just the best. And she had some very kind words to say about you. I know you won't say it here, but that's fine. I'm going to pat your back for her. She had she had some lovely words because you interviewed her. Yes, I did. I did. I interviewed her. Uh, she, you know, before she was a nominee, now she's a nominee because yep. we knew mm-hmm. it was going to happen. Damn it. Oh, yeah. And uh, she just is, you know, funny and thoughtful and really <laughs> candid and uh, has a great sense of humor about everything, including a music video of hers from back <laughs> in the day, which I found and felt the need to ask her about. And uh, yeah, she's really like, you watch her on the show and you think I would kind of like her to be my best friend. Yeah. Uh, I would like to hang out with Keely and Rebecca. And then mm-hmm. you talk to Hannah Waddingham and you want her to be your best friend. Yeah. She's just, uh, she's all those things we said. And and everyone will get a chance to hear that in uh, your conversation with her a little bit later. Her season one arc was just it's one of the, I think, the best arcs I've seen in quite a while on a TV show, especially for a supporting character to go from that. So, uh, you know, she had that kind of vindictive spirit. She wanted to get back at her ex-husband and then to come around and be like this kind of shining light of the show and, you know, to come around and like see Ted, the ways of Ted Lasso, the Ted Lasso way, as it's officially called. Uh, it was just really beautiful. And, and I love what they did. Um with her character throughout that. Hey, should we just um, keep on going and talk about comedy series? Let's do it. There's a pretty packed uh, category. Want to let us know the nominees? Yeah, sure is. Yeah, we were just talking about Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, of course, is the best comedy nominee, as are Blackish, Cobra Kai, Pen15, Emily in Paris, Hacks, The Kaminsky Method, and The Flight Attendant. Wow, what a field. And a lot of uh, new entries here because most of those shows, well, some of them weren't around to be nominated last right. year. Uh, some of them didn't maybe have seasons to be considered. Um, but I love this field for the most part, like 90% of it. 
Right. Which we'll- As you know, certainly <laughs> I am super excited about Cobra Kai. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Like I did legitimately let out a woo uh, on <laughs> nomination morning when I saw that. Um Super excited about that. I think it's great that yeah. Pan 15 is in there. Obviously, yes. PAX was a late entry to the, yep. you know, premiered fairly late in the eligibility period. And it's uh-huh. great to see that in there. We, You know, the flight attendant, we feel like it, it was a given and had so much momentum. And yep. same, with Kamis, uh, same with Kaminsky Method in that, you know, the voters obviously love that show. Yeah. I mean, I... It, that I don't even know need, how to just start say it. Just the rip the bandaid about Emily in Paris. I don't know, Jared. I don't know what to say about this. Like, uh, yeah. So, I mean, look, and, and I think we've we've said it here on the podcast f- before. It's a it's a perfectly pleasant show. I watched. I I. I don't know if enjoyed is too strong of a word, but I but I watched all of it. Um, and, and it was just kind of like filler noise in the room, or I just needed something a little more like lighthearted to watch, yes. I suppose, especially, you know, during the pandemic. Um, I, I don't really know what to make of how the show was nominated. Maybe that's the Netflix money. I don't know. They got a lot of comedy nominations, but. I really, I'm kind of astounded in that, like, sure, you know, Netflix throws a lot of money into their awards campaigns. Mm -hmm. And, you know, definitely we see certain shows, maybe, you know, a Ryan Murphy show that nobody really liked, like The Politician getting a nomination. But this, you know, like Darren Starr, extremely talented man, but he's not, Mm -hmm. you know, a power player at Netflix like Ryan Murphy. So I can't imagine that they were doing it to please him. What I will say as you know, I wrote on EW.com on nominations day, like when, when you think back to when Emily and Paris arrived uh, in our lives, it was October, 2020. Yeah. Uh, we were eight months into a pandemic. We were one month away from a very stressful and polarizing election. Mm-hmm. And this show was beautiful to look at. And it was yeah. also just, you couldn't believe it was happening. Like you're watching it. Like this is, you know, uh-huh. she's really annoying, and yet I love all the other characters, <laughs> and I kind of love that all the other characters hate her, and I enjoy uh-huh. watching the other characters yeah. hate her, and Ashley Park is great. And it just, it was a vacation from the anxiety and yeah. the sadness that we were all yeah. dealing with. So maybe voters remembered that and gave it a shout out. I don't know. I don't get it. It's one of the best arguments and justifications I've heard, and I don't know, it, it uh, makes my head hurt a little bit to try to... <laughs> think any deeper on it maybe I, I don't know it's just good for them is good what i'll them. say good for them no Long chance shots. in hell they're going to win here's yeah. the thing that i was wondering and thinking about this category because as you mentioned hacks was a you know a late entry in the eligibility window and i started thinking is that going to give the show the upper edge and could it actually upset Ted Lasso for the win. But then, as I was at the Ted Lasso premiere the other night, I thought, well, if this new season is good, which starts July 23rd, and everybody will be, in theory, talking about it during the voting window, that could then, you know, bring it right back. But if second season's not good, uh uh-oh, that could hurt it. But uh, from all indications and what I've seen so far, I don't think that uh, should be a concern of theirs, that season two could hurt them. 
Absolutely. I mean, I think if there was not a new season of Ted Lasso coming, it's possible that Hacks could maintain yeah. and maybe overtake their momentum. But uh, I've seen the first six of Ted Lasso mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed it. Um, I gave it a B plus. I think it's, you know, almost as funny as season one, but it's mm -hmm. also entertaining in new ways. It's a little weirder. Yes. It's sweeter. Like, I feel like it's going to be something that people are loving over mm -hmm. the summer, right? As they're filling out yeah. their ballots. <laughs> so right. I think exactly. I, I really don't know that anything can beat it at this point. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. And and really, I, I have to wonder how much of that July 23rd premiere date, season two premiere date was by design. It's very smart. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. That we'll we'll see. But yeah, I something. What? I know. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I don't think anything can beat it at this point. I, I will say I think hacks is deserving. Um, sure. But I just I just don't think it. Um, I don't think. It'll do it. Um, and let's stick with the comedy uh, categories. And since we have Hannah Waddingham on today, let's talk about her category, Best Supporting Actress. Sorry, I should say Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Comedy. Uh, last year, like all of the comedy categories, uh, Schitt's Creek dominated. We don't have to worry about that show this year. But this year we have three nominees from Saturday Night Live. Kate mm -hmm. McKinnon, Cecily Strong, A.D. Bryant. Two folks from Ted Lasso, of course, Hannah Waddingham and the so, so funny. I love her and everything she's in, Juno Temple. And then from the flight attendant, Rosie Perez, and from Hacks, Hannah Einbinder, a newcomer, uh, really got so many people's attention with her really strong performance here going toe-to-toe, yeah. -to -toe, head head-to-head with Jean Smart, no easy task. I have to imagine she was just nervous out of her mind, but it doesn't show. Yeah. Um, she was great. I, um... I think like we were saying in the best, you know, in the comedy category that Ted Lasso can't be beat. I'm not sure Hannah Waddingham can be beat here. And I'm not saying it just because right. she's on the show today. <laughs> exactly. I really, you know, I think there is uh, so much love for her. Um, there's always love for the SNL ladies, but I feel like they yeah. often get nominated in a group and kind of whether they cancel mm -hmm. each other out or, you know, it never really comes to fruition for them. Mm -hmm. I feel like if anybody could beat Hannah Waddingham, maybe it's the other Hannah in that, like, if people decide, like, look, okay, we're going to give Ted Lasso yeah. the best comedy, maybe we'll throw hacks, you know, mm -hmm. uh, this win. And of course, Gene Smart, which we will talk about in another episode. But um, yes. I just kind of feel like this is Hannah's to lose, especially mm -hmm. like when you think about Shit's Creek last year, when the Academy, the voters, love something they sometimes like really go all in go all in and yeah sleeps yeah so i wonder if that's gonna happen with ted yeah and i because i i did not pick uh, annie murphy to win last year uh, this is another case where i i'm not saying she was undeserving i just didn't think that right. was a reality i didn't think that was going to happen i think she's very funny uh especially in that role i'll say i think she's very funny um yeah no i you know once once a couple of those i think she was one of the maybe earlier wins and i was like oh well i mm -hmm. think that just told the story for the rest of the night yeah i right. i honestly i just can't wait to see hannah waddingham that beautiful statuesque oh. woman as we've said holding that emmy in september i i'm I'm just kind of putting it out there. I would, I would love I to know, see that image. Let's manifest yeah. it. Let's put it into the universe. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm certainly not biased. Love the show. Love all of these women, actually. <laughs> I mean, they're so great. I just keep staring at the list thinking, can we have ties or triple wins here? I I mean, of course, Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon has a couple trophies to her name. A.D. Bryant is a double nominee. Uh, yes. also nominated for lead actress in a comedy. And like I said, Juno Temple, gosh, I just, I've never seen her be bad in something. And every time she's on screen, she makes me perk up a little more. She makes me pay yeah. attention because she's so interesting in the choices uh, that she makes. And I just, I love her to bits. You know, if you fell in love with her on Ted Lasso, I, I would suggest that people go find the first season of Dirty John on Bravo uh, mm-hmm. with Connie uh, Britton it's, and uh-huh. Eric Bana. It's an incredible season and it's so good. But Joe Temple plays Connie Britton's daughter and it's like a completely different role from Keeley. And she's mm-hmm. so great. I remember when I first watched it, I did not know who she was. And I was I, like, that actress? I, is literally what I was uh, yeah it's what I was about to say I didn't even realize it was her uh when she first popped up it took me a a few minutes really I was like wait a minute that's Juno Temple uh and she's also one of those people who's just so uh just so funny and fun and to talk to she is just you know cool you know down for a just a cool conversation about um about what she does and her shows and her movies. She's been in a lot of great indie films as well, uh, which I would encourage folks to check out. But uh, let's let's turn it back to her co-star, shall we? Her character is described as intimidating and very tall, though I will say only one of those things applies uh, to Hannah Waddingham. She's very tall, but she is lovely and warm and very open to having a real in-depth and fun conversation, which I will share with you guys right after the break. Welcome back. You thought you were going to hate her on Ted Lasso, and then you fell in love with her on Ted Lasso. Please enjoy my interview with Ted Lasso star Hannah Waddingham. Welcome, Hannah, and thanks for joining us. Hello, lovely lady. Nice to see you. Like so uh, let's start with Rebecca's arc. It's a great arc. She's pretty much sort of the villain when you meet her, but then she evolves so much by the end, you're really rooting for her. Yeah. I read that initially you were a little worried that viewers would hate you. Yeah, well, not that they would hate me, but that they would think that they had the measure of her very quickly and zone out. Right. It was more that I just thought, oh, no, they're just going to think that she's the the ice queen that um, wants to trash the team. How could you be so horrible to Ted and just think, you know, I'll, I'll enjoy the other characters. But because the writing is so clever, even by the end of Ep 1, you're already going, oh, whoa, 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 OK, hold on, hold <laughs> on. And I even did that as as a reader of it when I first got my script. It almost made me cry the second episode with all the biscuits with the boss thing because I just thought, oh, it's such a lovely touch for Jason and the writers to be getting in. It's it's like it's like instead of her being told off for being how she was, an arm was already going around her as a character, right. and it made the audience lean into her as well. And as he says something about like she's got some fences, uh, but I'll jump over them. Fences to hop over. Yeah, gorgeous. Yeah. And before you got the show, I read that you were looking to find a project that would allow you to stay in London, closer to your family. 
how surprising was it when a comedy starring American star Jason Sudeikis came your way? Well, the weirdest thing about it was when I went and did the chemistry read, I still didn't know enough about it to know that it was where it was actually going to be shot. I thought, well, there's every chance because of Jason and his kids, maybe they'll shoot it nearer there. And I said, so where, where is it actually being shot? And he went, uh, Richmond. And I went, what? Richmond in Surrey? 20 minutes from my house, that Richmond. And then I was like, the bit was between my teeth. And I was like, I am having this part. <laughs> honestly, this is no word of a lie. About nine months or a year previously, I'd been having a bit of a crappy time. And I went and stood out in my garden. And I thanked the universe for everything that I have in my life so far. And I said, but if I could bother you for something that would really help me out a lot, as a single mum, if there's any way I could be so particular, I mean, literally almost verbatim, I was like, could I have something that, that means I can play several different things in one scene and that doesn't always show that really tall women are harridans and vile and aggressive and horrible. Something maybe that's funny and something that I could pour my heart into and something that will look after me and my little girl in real life. Thank you very much. And then, so you manifested. Ask the universe and you shall receive. <laughs> you absolutely manifested this I show. I did, I did. I should have done some kind of dance. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's a scary power to have. Good for you. I mean, it was crazy. I've never, I've never done it so much and meant it so much and, and been so specific. And, and it worked. I mean, maybe it was a fluke, but who knows? I prefer to believe that you made it happen. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, the show is obviously about a men's football team, but there's this great female friendship, obviously, between Rebecca and Keeley, who is uh, played by Juno Temple. How would you describe their relationship and how it evolves over the season? I think it's um, surprising, really. I don't think Keeley or Rebecca have ever had another female in their lives that is so polar opposite, but so utterly completes them yeah, unwittingly. And um, it's rather beautiful how it kind of uh, dribbles into existence. I particularly loved the scene where they're um, on Rebecca's sofa and and Keely kicks off her shoes. And at first you see Rebecca kind of looking at her like, oh, I'll make yourself at home. <laughs> and then by the end of it, because Rebecca has shared about herself and Keely has responded by saying well god if I look like that I wouldn't hide under a bushel there is a moment in that where Rebecca realizes that Keely is a warts and all person you know when she puts the cactus down says a bit like you <laughs> and, uh, and I remember thinking that is brilliant because Rebecca will never have had I don't think a woman in her life certainly of a different generation which they most definitely are um being absolutely just warts and all with her yeah. and loving her anyway. And she finds a new confidant, I think, in that very scene. And funnily enough, Juno and I are exactly that. You know, she's in her early 30s. I'm in my mid-40s. And, um, yeah, straight away, it was literally like clunk, done. And you you guys had never worked together before? Had never, never met? Together, never spoken to each other, never set eyes on each other ever. And what was your first meeting like? She went, hi. And I went, hi. <laughs> Honestly, was it was that simple. And we've just been great allies and 
between season one and season two, always kept in touch. And then chomping at the bit to see each other um, when season two started. And, and it's only strengthened and, you know, she's, my God, my daughter is in love with her. She calls her Princess <laughs> Juno. I think she's, I think my daughter actually thinks that Juno's made out of like pixie fairy unicorn dust. <laughs> Who can say? I mean, Honestly, she is... when, I'm, when I'm with them, when I'm with, with my daughter and Juno, I totally feel like the third wheel. <laughs> well, so we do get little bits of information about what Rebecca's life was like before she took ownership of AFC Richmond. But beyond that, did you come up with any backstory yourself that you were imagining her life was like? Yeah, I did. And one of the things really freaked me out because I didn't, it, the, the show didn't really touch on it again. I decided for myself that being the age she is, you know, 46 like me, she would have met, we worked out that if she'd had 12 years of relationship with Rupert, she would have met him when she was kind of maybe like 31, but married at 33. And I decided that because it wasn't written in that they had children, I decided that maybe it was a conversation that they had had. This was like the main thrust for me that I said to Jason. I said, can I? Can we at least be on the same page, even if it's not touched upon, that um, she had always wanted children. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rupert had just said it wasn't for him. And so she had to make that life choice, as so many people do, whether to stick with the person or go for, for a child. And that very much informed me about um, her with people in general that this is something that she's then missed the boat yes probably yeah um and so she doesn't want to let anyone in because she's dealing with that and so when we then came to episode nine and then there's the the section where rupert says we're having a baby when i read it honestly my jaw nearly hit the floor yeah because i thought it adds such another element the fact that i have already been playing that without yes. being told that and so when we're getting into the bit about him saying and anthony head was so brilliant the way he did it saying no i i, I did want children i just didn't want uh, honestly it winded me well and that's one of the things that's so interesting about rebecca is you know, on the surface and in life, she's successful, she's confident, she's a self-assured businesswoman. But you do learn, I believe it's at the gala, you learn that uh, he's really, Rupert's really done a number on her self-esteem, like their marriage. And when she says that, it really clicks because you do see that vulnerability in her. So what was that like to play? That seems challenging to kind of balance that, you know, all this stuff is going on inside, but on the outside, you know, she's in charge. Uh, I think because there have been moments in my own life, and I'm, I'm, I never shy away from talking about them ever in any interview, because I think it's important to show people that you've been through your peaks and troughs yourself. Mm-hmm. And the greatest thing about this job has been that I ha- it has allowed me great catharsis from a controlling verbally abusive relationship that I had that people looking at me wouldn't think I'd experienced Mm -hmm. so when it got to those scenes in the gala when he's saying you know very brave choice with the dress and stuff I've had that in the past 
And also the bit outside the gala when Ted comes to find her and she says, you know, everyone in there will, they all love him and, and you know, he should be doing the, the auction because it's, it's just me that, that, that he manages to, to poke. Right. Um, there's the bit about, you know, eat this, wear that, and I listened. That monologue that Jason was tweaking right up to the last minute informed me more than anything else about where I needed to take Rebecca because that's deep-seated damage that nobody can yes. see. Yes. And even though she's a great businesswoman, and even though me in real life, I'm very focused on my career, there have been times when, thank God, I had the focus on my career because everything else was flailing. Yeah. So it meant that my ability to understand Rebecca, I could feel her rippling through my bloodstream and I'm really glad that the writers have continued to give her her ups and downs and that she's not suddenly in season two, this woke, um, <laughs> you know, I've got it all sorted out character. Right. Um, I was worried about that, but but I didn't need to be. Well, and the cast, you know, is filled with writer, actor, comedians, you know, yeah. obviously Jason Sudeikis, Brett Goldstein, who plays Roy Kent, Brendan Hunt, Coach Beard, Nick Muhammad as I mean, Nate. So is I mean, I'm this... not kind of untalented in it. I'm just, just acting in it. <laughs> well, I was going to say, is it like improv central on the set or what is it like shooting um, with these guys? Um, in the main, I think the, the script is so beautifully crafted that, that, no, it's not. There is freedom within it, but in general, not. It's, it's it's beautifully formed already, and you don't really need to do much to it. There is absolute license, especially coming into season two, that you would say beforehand, could this have a bit more of that energy to it? Can I change that word to this? Can I say that sentence in where that one is so I get a better flow mm -hmm. into that? Because in season one, this happened and somebody said this to me. And I think she'd remember that. They're totally up for that, which is great. Right. Um, and then there are times, hilariously, when I say things like that to Jason, he goes, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. okay. All right. And I asked, obviously not. <laughs> right. All right. Well, and who would you say just out of the whole cast, I don't know how anyone keeps a straight face, but who breaks the most? I'm not going to lie, possibly when Nick Muhammad and I are together, <laughs> because I'm meant to be, you know, oh, Nathan, very, you know, haughty and removed from him still. Because, I mean, right. she has learnt his name, but <laughs> who is this funny little man? Right, right. Um, so I would say me and him, because he knows that I've got such a big mouth and I'm such an idiot in real life, that it it is quite hard for me to suddenly, with him. Right. Um, Jason's terrible. When he's in a cheeky pixie mood, <laughs> just terrible. Him the other day with a, with a character I can't talk about yet, I was literally like, guys, can we just get your coverage done? <laughs> well, well, yeah, I mean, I would imagine it's a hard set to keep it together. Um, so one of Rebecca's biggest moments, of course, is in episode seven when she busts out this amazing singing voice at karaoke. Uh, when did you first learn that you would be singing on the show? Um, pretty much when I got the script for episode seven. 
said, so why, why is the football club owner singing? And Jason said, why not? <laughs> All right. And then he got serious with me and he said, because I was complaining about the song choice. I was like, I, as a singer, I've avoided this song in concert since it came out. All over the world, I'm happy to do any other song, but I was always like, no, no, no. I don't want to sing Let It Go. I don't want to sing Let It Go because, one, everyone does it in auditions, and, two, it's a beast. So, no, thank you. Yes. And he said, he was really cool. He was like, okay, you know, stroking his Ted Tash, as usual. If you can go and find me a song that's more perfect, you know, in the Venn diagram of where we are, in the show, in the episode, for your character, for my character, for your reference to your goddaughter, for your reference to your friend, then off you pop. And I was like, fine, I will. And I went off to my trailer and was thinking, um, what am I going to do? And of course, I couldn't find one. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but I did, I did make a deal with him. I was just like, but can it not outstay its welcome? Because she is a football club owner. She's not a singer. So that's a fine line for me to try and find and tread anyway. Right. And um, and he said, "On oh, yeah, don't don't worry about. It. I, I get what you're saying. You don't want to look like oh, like, oh look, this is me singing. Yes. So it was good that the brilliant juxtaposition. Of course, he had it all mapped out already, which is so annoying. That he always knows what he's talking about with this, right? And you so you get the verse and the chorus, and then you're out because then you're following Ted's journey right. and his uh, anxiety attack. So um, and the, the most amazing thing for me." was that the two writers of Let It Go contacted me and said that they loved it and that that's how they imagined it. Oh, my gosh. What? What? As a musical theatre girl was just insane. I was going to say, I mean, obviously you've sung on stage many, many, many times, but is it a different challenge when you're, you know, on a set in a crowded room? What was that like? Well, because, of course, I'm used to just singing live. And my mic will be here or, you know, around here, one of those mics or whatever. But with this, I just had like some crappy old genuine like karaoke mic and a rubbish system. Right. And I was a bit like, can I please at least have a better microphone? And they were like, oh, my God, why have we got a singer doing this? I was like, (laughs) I can't. I can't be on international television sounding like I'm singing into a paper cup. (laughs) Come on. But they gave me a different thing. But in general, it's that weird thing, because when you have an audience, you're that, whereas you need to make sure you're making it small enough for us to be talking, mm-hmm. but also big enough to look like there's a performance in it. So it's a it's a weird, weird balance. And I'm not entirely sure I've got the balance right yet. But right, um, right. They're very, they're very lovely wheeling me out to sing. Were you singing live or were you? Oh, my uh, God, all day. Kristen, all day, like for hours and hours, yes. How is your throat? Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm used to it, so it was fine. But, yeah. but they did keep saying to me, once they'd done my coverage, they were like, do you do you want us to put it on playback for Jason's coverage? But, um, you know, I'm I'm a firm believer in being a team player, and, and I wanted him to, to feel it live for him to get where he needed to. So, yeah, right. I, was, I was singing that song for about 10 hours that day. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well... Any chance Rebecca will uh, pick up a microphone in uh, season two? Kristen, don't do that. <laughs> Honestly, you lot are so funny. 
<laughs> You're like, I'm just going to slide this in like a side order of broccoli. <laughs> just going to gently ask this question. I'm not telling you that. All maybe, right. Maybe not. Who knows? You're going to love this next question then. I recently discovered yes. that you sang a pop song called Our Kind of Love that made the UK singles charts in 2000. And I know this isn't really part of Rebecca's backstory, but I would love the idea of like the team finding this video on YouTube (laughs) (laughs) and wondering like Rebecca's previous life, any chance of that happening? I couldn't believe it got into the hit parade, as my mom would say, because (laughs) it was was from a musical called The Beautiful Game. And it was like the lead song from the show and was written by Lord Andrew Lloyd Webber and Ben Elton. And then it suddenly, like, charted because it had been produced by Celine Dion's producer of My Heart Will Go On. So they obviously done a lovely thing to it. Yeah, it was all a bit bit odd at the time. Yeah. Like my my minimal foray into being a pop star. You got to shoot a video. It's on YouTube now. I know. I look about 12 in it. Yeah, don't encourage them. I mean, you tell the writer's room that and they're just going to be like, where, where is this video? Yes. I can't, you know, I can't say that I won't be tweeting the video out and sort of oh. suggesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. But I, I will respect your wishes because, yeah. <laughs> but it is great. Um, I so, love you told everyone the name of the song anyway. Right. Everyone's just going to go Google it like, now. just type it into youtube um beyond the singing what would you say was the most challenging scene for you over the course of the season to get right this you mean season one season one yes i was gonna say don't (laughs) because i'm terrible i'll be like a massive gem will come out right um what's the most difficult scene to shoot Probably uh, the the part of um, that scene continuing on from what we were saying earlier about the the baby scene with Rupert. Yes, be the continuation on from that walking into Ted's office and saying it was me, it was all me, because I think there's a fine line between being maudlin and self-absorbed, and you know you, you could easily overplay that. And so I was acutely aware of I wanted to feel like she was purging poison. Yes. Had been rotting her system. I think she she thought that Ted was going to say, you're an awful human being, I'm out of here. And she would have thought, yes, right. Right. But I, I was acutely aware of wanting to get the tone right so that it allowed jason then to pick up and take ted where he needed to go and respond right so i just really felt how delicate that was yes it was and it was because she'd been putting it off the whole episode too and then just sort of driven to this moment yeah Um, i think it's so clever the way they write it that it suddenly gets to the point where she can't she doesn't she can't feel any lower right she just thinks right it's now we're doing it now because you've got to stop Right. No, it's so perfect. It's such a great moment for the character. I worry that I will never in my career get, you know, the scene when she, the the funniness of the scene when she's trying to confess to Ted, then he's rewinding out of the scene, then Rupert coming in, all of that, 
then turning on my heels and walking downstairs and going through the locker room and all of that into that and then Ted I mean that whole thing feels like a river to me yeah and getting seeing all of that piece together which we shot on different days of course of course um and then the 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 coverage of Anthony and the coverage of myself at different times and and Anthony had stayed when he didn't need to when I turn on my heels and go to walk walk down to Ted he'd already been cleared for the day he'd already wrapped for the day and he stayed to to help me get back to it and I will never forget that that is teamwork Oh my gosh. Teamwork makes the dream work. Doesn't it? <laughs> That's what we're talking about. So Rebecca has fabulous style, obviously, uh, similar to yourself. Was there anything that you wanted to, you know, pinch on your way off, you know, way home from set? I, I get everything tailored within an inch of its life, not only because I think Rebecca would be that tailored, but also because I just think, no one else would be able to wear it. <laughs> <laughs> smart yeah <laughs> do you have a favorite look of hers um from season one i would say just because it when i put it on now in fact i've i've worn it once in season two as well as a nod to the moment in season one the aubergine suit trouser suit with the pale um yes. neck top because it feels like that is her in proper calm Rebecca Welton work mode yes f with me (laughs) yeah it's a power suit for sure yes I specifically said to um our wonderful costume designer Jackie Levy um that I wanted to wear it then and I didn't even barely need to finish my sentence she understood why I wanted to wear it again at this particular moment in season two excellent and I know so season two is in production. Yeah. What's it been like filming now, sort of post, but not really post COVID, you know, in the pandemic era where I assume you have to take some precautions since season one was filming at a totally pre-COVID time? Yeah. Uh, at first, I thought it was going to be troublesome, difficult, and not funny. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole thing of, I mean... Apple and Warner Brothers are absolutely first class with the way they they travel us all in. We're being tested all the time. But even though we are being tested three times a week, we are all, myself and Juno and Sarah Niles, our lovely new companion um, for season two, we all have, um, you know, like um, visors mm-hmm. to not screw up the hair and makeup. And the boys have to keep on their masks loosely until the cameras go up. So it is absolutely stringent testing and following everything to the letter. So the one thing we all feel is exceptionally safe. Yes. And I think because we all got to know each other so well last year, you know, the funny hasn't gone because as soon as you get all of us in the same room together, it's like, as I was saying to Jason early on, it's like putting on an old comfy cardigan. We just know how to play rhythms with different people and uh and it's it's been absolutely blissful and we are about three weeks off wrapping season two and I already have anxiety tummy from uh, not wanting it to finish oh <laughs> and I know you know you can't really get you can't give away any spoilers but just vague general get us excited preview how would you sort of obliquely tease Rebecca's journey in season two? Oh, 
what I will say is that my main concern was that she was suddenly going to be all sorted, all sweetness and light in a way, and with no ups and downs. And I was thinking, I hope that doesn't happen. We're only meant to be like five five months on. And of course, the writer's room have treated her with the absolute love that they did in season one. And I had nothing to worry about. And um, she ambles through various things that are thrown at her, both good and bad, uh, in the usual kind of some days elegant, some days not so elegant fashion. And um, I can't wait to start shooting season three. Oh my gosh, exciting. Well, it's been a joy talking to you as per usual. So thank you so much. And I look forward, I cannot wait to see the new season this summer. Neither can I, I'm gonna be like that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much. Thank you, lovely. Kristen, I just can't let it go how great that interview was. <laughs> I don't yes. I won't sing it for you. I'll leave the singing I to mean, Hannah. But really I that that was it. I such a wonderful interview. Uh no uh no shame shame shame. <laughs> oh my God, I, I worked in a second one. I'm like you you yeah. threw in a second one. It's two for one. I got two yeah. terrible wonderful puns for one. Yeah. I appreciate it. I mean if, if folks yeah, don't know of course great. she was the shame nun in Game of Thrones. Yes. But yes. Yeah. And uh I mean Let's discuss range, by the way. Shame none oh, to Hannah Waddingham on, right? on Ted Lasso. Incredible. Yeah, I, she I don't know how they thought, hey, get us that woman to play this boss lady. But it was a brilliant <laughs> move on their part. Yes. Really Props so smart. Maybe one of the one of the best castings I've seen in a long time. I think we can manifest that image you mentioned earlier of her mm-hmm. on stage holding Lady Emmy. Yes. As Conan O'Brien tried to make happen <laughs> yeah. when he hosted the show. <laughs> those many years ago. Yeah, wish that would have stuck. Alas, it did not. But you know what is going to stick? Us, right here on the Awardist <laughs> Podcast. We have several more episodes to come throughout Emmy season, so be sure to follow, subscribe, like if you like what you're hearing. Uh, and, uh, you know, because we don't want you to miss an episode, and really, we're here for you. We're here for all of you to continue to break down this really exciting season of TV, because there was a lot of good TV in the last year. Thank goodness uh, productions were able to resume. So anyway, yeah. Um, And also be sure you follow us on social media. We want to hear from you, what you think about the episodes. If there's someone you would love to hear from, be sure to uh, shout it out to us. You can uh, find me on Twitter at Jared Hall. And Kristen, where are you? I'm at Kristen G. Baldwin. When in doubt, tweeting about The Bachelor. Of course. And, and there are some great takes on there. All right, everyone, that's it for this episode. We'll see you next week. Bye.